Sports and Alpha by Benji Mellers is available on Amazon. Order your copy of Sanborn's Boys today. So, on the last episode, we said that our standard for a successful week for the Canadians would be 4 out of 8 points, and they achieved exactly 4 out of 8 points in their last 4 games against the Boston Bruins. They did not get any points. That was actually the, the last game of the losing streak. And then they broke it on... Tuesday against the New York Islanders with a four to two win. Yeah, so uh, the streak is over. Uh, couldn't yeah, be happier. It took long enough. Took long enough. Are you kidding me? Was it eight games uh, that eight it games. was in a row? Okay, that was pretty nasty. Uh, but uh, you know what? I'm happy this team. Uh, you know they didn't get their spirits down too much. Uh, you know they believed in their coach. Didn't make any panic moves with Claude Julia or anything. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm happy for them getting out of the slump. Uh, they picked up two wins this week. It was a pretty solid week. And, uh, look, look, uh, for this losing streak overall, obviously it sucks that you, you you lost eight games in a row and you weren't able to pick up two points at all there. And you definitely fell behind in the standings. But I think there's definitely a silver lining here in that uh, the Habs, look, uh, improved on defense. You know, they were a tire fire. And then I think this uh, losing streak really, uh, you know, Brought them under the fire and uh, they uh, they they picked it up and uh, they don't look so bad in the in the defensive zone and I think uh, these last few results even including the Boston game that they lost uh, they demonstrated that improvement on defense. One thing that stands out to me about losing like eight games is that's that's really long. It was actually the first time they lost eight in a row since I think it was 1939. So I think the fact that they could lose so many games in a row they only got like three out of 16 points during that stretch. And that they're still right in the thick of the playoff race speaks to how hard it is to really gain or lose any ground in the NHL. Because they had they had a bit of a cushion in a in a divisional spot, but it wasn't anything crazy. And they still they were in second in the division for a for a day yesterday after uh, after beating New York. Well, I think uh, that also that it's not really a testament to the NHL. I would say I think it's more. Uh, a weakness in the Atlantic Division. I mean, all these teams, other than Boston, obviously, uh, look to be struggling in the last uh, little stretch. And if you look outside the division, uh, you know, they're five points out of a wild card now. So that's no uh, small margin by any stretch of the imagination. So I think it's just, uh, you know, all the Atlantic teams, save for Boston, uh, really went on a bit of a dip at the same time for the Habs. And it's fortunate for the Habs now because, uh, look, they're only a couple points out of a wild card or a division spot. Uh, and so, you know, they're still in the thick of the playoff race. Uh huh. So there are a couple of specific points about the the Canadians' week that we wanted to get in, into. Uh, we could start with the uh, the the way they managed to to break the winning streak, so to speak, by waving the backup goalie was break the, the only streak. the only move they pulled off. And, oh yeah, did I, what did I did I say winning streak? Yeah, you said winning streak. Oh, I meant okay. losing streak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, we got it. So they put Keith Kincaid on waivers, who who I'm going to miss dearly, but has been underachieving. And I was really surprised that they called up Caden Primo, 20 years old, after, like, I'm not sure how much he played in Laval, like 10 games, maybe? I'm not sure. We could look look at it. But, but either way, he has very little professional experience. And I did not like the move at all. I thought they were going to call it Charlie Lindgren. I think Charlie Lindgren deserves another chance to be a backup in the NHL. And uh, I mean, Primo was fine in his first game, but still, I'm I'm very, I'm very cautious about throwing a 20-year-old goalie into the Wolves at this point in his career. How about you? Uh you know what? I I I wasn't so pissed about that uh, that move at all. You know, I thought uh, you know why not give him a chance? Uh, look, he's played well in the AHL. I pulled up the stats pulled up right now. He's had 12 games. He's had a 9-10 save percentage in his first what 12 games as a pro. Uh, and it's not like, you know, he shot the bed against Colorado, mind you, a very good team, uh, an elite team. And he held his own, you know, 9-14 save percentage in that one game. He gave up three goals. They lost the game, unfortunately. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, this guy didn't look yeah. out of place. 
he doesn't look out of place in the NH and the AHL either. Uh, so look, I mean, first of all, as a fan, it's exciting to see a 20 year old. As much as it might be good or bad for his prospect development, you know, whatever, whatever. It's great to see, you know, some fresh blood on the team, a uh, 20 year old. It's always fun to see that, uh, especially in the goalie position. But uh, look, this guy, uh, he held his own, and uh, you know, maybe if he if he, if he can be a viable backup on the NHL team. Uh, I wouldn't be against uh, giving him a f- give him a few games here. Uh, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't. I don't know uh, how his his rookie contract situation is. If uh, the nine games applies to uh, burning a burning a year off his rookie contract, but uh, I certainly wouldn't mind well, he, seeing like games uh, a season. Well, he has a a deal with. Uh, I'm sure it, the year counts anyway because he's playing pro with Laval. So what I was gonna say was, uh, do you th- well Primo's almost definitely gonna play. Uh, another game this week because they have a back-to-back Pittsburgh and Ottawa. So I'm pretty sure they would have him play in one of those games. Do you think if he if he keeps playing well that they're just going to keep him as the full-time backup like this year and pro- I guess it would be next year too and for the foreseeable future? Because uh, I don't think... I don't know if that's a great idea uh, for a guy of... Uh, for a prospect of Primo's caliber. I mean, uh, right now... I see the problem. The the reason I don't have a problem with it is because you know I think Kincaid was struggling and uh, you know give him a little confident boost in the AHL. Maybe not such a bad idea. And uh, look, uh, giving him a look, I don't have such a problem with that. But uh, looking long term, I mean, this guy, you know, he's earmarked as a uh, as a, an NHL starter. So uh, I don't think uh, leaving him in, leaving him in in the in the backup spot for a full season would be a great idea. Uh, so as I said, I don't have a problem with him. You know, looking getting a good look at him. Uh, for a little stretch, but uh, you mentioned uh, this year and then next year. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that's a great idea. I do not. Also, I also don't think it's a very good idea, especially for for his development. I think that probably maybe get Primo into two or three more games, just to you know get him comfortable with the NHL. Now that he's here, then send him back to the Rocket. Bring Keith Kincaid back up, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to. Performed better than he did in the in his first couple appearances. Yeah. So he, that was Primo's debut against the Avalanche. And do you want to get into the uh, the other thing that happened in the Avalanche game? The uh, they hit on Kotkaniemi. Want to jump into that? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, it was an ugly hit uh, behind the net, and uh, so who was Zadorov? Uh, gets uh, yeah. he hits Kotkaniemi, and he, like he sweeps his leg under him. And uh, Kotkaniemi just lands on his his head, his neck, whatever it was, uh, upper body, and it was it was gruesome to watch. Uh, let me tell you, I watched that the first time. I uh, yeah, I had a pretty visceral reaction to that one. I sh- I shuddered, you know. It was uh, definitely not nice to look mm-hmm. at. Uh, and so you know, uh, Claude Julien thinks it's uh, it was a vicious, dirty hit, uh, you know. And uh, okay, so what's your opinion on that bit? All right, so the first time I saw the hit. I, I really I thought it was a clean hit that just happened to go wrong, but as soon as they pointed out the slew foot to me, my my mind was changed completely. That's definitely I think that should have been a suspension, not not anything crazy, maybe just one or two games. But I think he should have been disciplined in some way because, well, I I know you can't really punish him for being so heavy and for Kotkaniemi being much lighter than him, but. Kotkaniemi doesn't land on his head if you don't knock out his legs from under him. You have to be be trying to do something like that, you know? So Kotkaniemi, he, he has a concussion. I don't think there's a timeline right now. I hope it's not too long, but I have a feeling it, it might be a while before we see him back in action for the Canadians. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I saw the hit originally, and I like you. I was like, uh, you know... It's very unfortunate this happened. I don't think it was so dirty. And then I saw the slew foot. I, I see people, you know, crying out online, slew foot, this is absolutely dirty. And I watched it again. And, uh, yeah, not a great look for uh, Zadorov there because uh, definitely not a clean play at all. I mean, sweeping the leg under. Uh, you give him a clean hit, well, he probably lands on his feet at worst. He, uh, he takes a little tumble. But to land on the head like that, I mean, he really got turned around by that foot, uh, by that leg. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this team... I don't know how many more injuries it can take because, look, you got, you know, the, the injuries from the past week, Drew and yeah. Byron, all that. And then now Cock and the Emmy. I mean, I know we talked about uh, the, the incredible depth on this team and uh, just the fact that it's still holding up speaks to that depth. 
But uh, at one point, you're going to start running out of good players, NHL players, uh, to call up into the lineup because there's just so many injuries. And it's, it's unfortunate that they're all happening at the same time. And that was one thing I was worrying worried about going into the season last year. They had a ton of players overachieving. And also, they had incredible luck in terms of injuries, besides Shea Weber missing the first couple months. I believe after that point, they were pretty much totally healthy the entire way, too. Probably a couple things here and there that that aren't worth, noteworthy enough to mention. But besides, they were pretty lucky with in terms of injuries last year. So I was thinking if they get a couple of key players out for extended periods of time, which they have, Druen, Byron, uh, Victor Matei, I think, is two weeks also. Kotkaniemi, we don't know. But that could really hurt their chances. And right now, in terms of making the playoffs, the odds are, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what the odds are, but it doesn't really look good. No, and uh, but but just the fact that this team's been staying afloat. Well, I don't know if you can call an eight-game losing streak staying afloat, but uh, you yeah. know they look competent nowadays. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's all a testament to the the, the depth that we mentioned earlier. But still, it, it, and look, injuries are one of those things that there's a lot of variance from year to year. I mean, a lot of it is based on luck, right? I mean, yep. if uh, you know a certain player doesn't go into the corner, he escapes scot-free. Uh, and so, look, these kind of things. Uh, you mentioned last year we were pretty lucky on the health front. Uh, these things kind of tend to, you know, you see a year-to-year regression to the mean. And I think that's what we're seeing right now, unfortunately. I mean, so, uh, probability-wise, uh, this was kind of bound to happen. It's unfortunate it's, it's everybody at the same time. Uh, but yeah, it's just it just sucks to see. And uh, hopefully the team can hold up. Uh-huh. There is um, there's one player on the Canadians that I think we might owe an apology to. For, for criticizing pretty harshly in one of our first few episodes. And uh, I, I think you know who I'm talking about. Yep. In the, all right. So on December 1st, this player played 29 minutes and 26 seconds against the Boston Bruins. The next game against the Islanders, 30 minutes and 47 seconds. Against Colorado, 28 minutes and 54 seconds. And the other day against the Rangers, it was back down to 23-45. We're talking about Ben Sherratt, who is now playing on the top pair with Shea Weber in uh, Victor Matei's absence, which he was doing anyway sometimes when Victor Matei was here. And, uh, yeah, I had no idea Ben Sherratt had the capability to be this good at all. Uh, maybe he's the kind of player who, who thrives in a bigger role, and he never really got the chance to do that before but it looks like he's really found like found himself found a home in Montreal and he's extremely comfortable way more than he was at the beginning of the year and if you have any more thoughts about uh, Ben Chirot's great play as of late on uh, the defensive zone he's even been producing offensively a little bit not by the numbers but not uh, in terms of goals and assists but he's been generating some scoring chances a little bit anything else yeah I mean, uh, look, I have no idea uh, where this comes from. Uh, I was absolutely firmly in my beliefs when I roasted this guy at the beginning of the season and roasted Burnley oh, yeah. for signing him to a long-term contract. I uh, was at three years and uh, to yep. a pretty high cap hit. And uh, look, I thought this guy was an absolute scrub. Uh, slow, can't move the puck. And look at him now. I mean, playing 30 minutes on the first pair every night and he doesn't look out of place uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, this guy's making plays left and right. Uh, in the D zone in particular, this guy's a stud, uh, especially for a team who struggles mightily in the defensive zone. A guy like Ben Chirot, he's helped a lot. Uh, so, look, uh, I think uh, we can uh, maybe uh, after this little stretch, uh, turn around their little opinion on that signing. Uh, because honestly, uh, this team would be uh, significantly worse without Ben Chirot. As crazy as it is oh, to yeah. say, uh, in December, uh, this guy has contributed big time. Uh, so, yeah, Ben Chirot. <laughs> 30 uh, minutes yeah, 30 minutes. He played half the game for crying out loud. Uh, so yeah, that's that's I the mean, kind of numbers that's reduced. That's usually reserved for for like you know, like freaking I don't know Drew Doughty or Brent Burns or Eric Carlson, whoever Victor Hedman. Usually that's the kind. Yeah. Of, even when they play 30 minutes, it's like wow, 30 minutes, amazing. Ben Sherratt, are you kidding? I know, I know. It's, uh, I it's crazy. But also, I'm gonna say. I'm going to give props to Claude Julien for for, for uh, pinpointing, for realizing, oh, this player is playing well right now, so I should play them a lot. To put the players that are doing well in a position to succeed, 
you know, it's always, it's yeah. a sign of a, a good coach when you when it's great coaching when you don't just stick to the when you don't just stick to you know stick to what you do. You can adapt to who's playing well, who isn't playing well, and uh, yeah. So good for Claude Julien. You know what, I think like Ben Sherat. Right, exactly. I think Ben Sherat is maybe exactly what Mark Bergerman thought he was getting in Carl Alsner. Just thought of this now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, and that didn't pan out well at all, uh, unfortunately. Is he still in Laval right now, toiling away? Oh yeah, yeah. I think he actually he scored a goal last night, Carl Alsner. First goal of the year. Okay. Yeah, just, okay. Good for him. I just mm-hmm. never want to see him in a Habs jersey ever again. Yeah. But good for him. Maybe, yeah, maybe in the preseason he can get a couple games in. Yeah, the, the, the inter squad year. game. I'd be we'll happy see. to see him there. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, Let's, all right. Yeah. One more so, Habs uh, before we move on. Otto Leskinen. Yeah. Otto Leskinen, 22 years old, uh, Finnish player. They signed him this past summer. He uh he's been playing with the Laval Rocket, and he's been playing very well with the Laval Rocket, exceeding expectations. So they decided to call him up, as they sent down Gustav Olofsson, and give him a chance to to see what he can do. And the the optics on that that one goal they gave up to the Rangers a couple nights ago wasn't very nice. But besides that, I think he's been all right. How about you? Yeah, uh, I mean a solid signing out of Finland. Uh, but mm-hmm. definitely that goal uh, was uh, rough to watch. You know, uh, the puck bounced over a stick and as they were in the offensive zone and Brendan Smith just took it and uh, scored a goal on the breakaway. Um, mm-hmm. So, but other than that, I mean, he's been uh, solid, if unremarkable. And uh, look, uh, another solid signing by Mark Bergevay. He's really growing this youth pool and props to him for that. Uh, like this guy's been, uh, as you mentioned, he's been playing well in the Val. And so, yeah, good for him uh, making his way to the NHL. And uh, hopefully no bad goals like that in the future. But, uh, yeah, let's see him up there because uh, all these injuries, you know, you get to see these new blood. Yeah, so uh, when they when they called when he found out he got called up, uh, the story I heard is that he was so excited and happy that he jumped into Joel Bouchard's arms, who's the coach of the Laval Rocket. And uh, I like stories like that. I, that. Just the excitement of getting to, to debut in the NHL. It's pretty nuts, isn't yeah, it? for sure. It's great. Uh, was Leskinen just a free agent signing this year uh, out of Finland? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so he wasn't we didn't draft, draft pick. Okay. No, we, we didn't draft right. him. Just a, he was just a free agent. All right, so what's the, the Hab schedule coming up this week? Uh, they play Pittsburgh and Ottawa back-to-back on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, okay. after, that, after that, on Saturday, they've got a game against the Red Wings. So oh, wow. this up, upcoming week, I expect them to at least beat the Senators and Red Wings. And a win against the Penguins would be pretty nice too. So I am cautiously optimistic we may have an undefeated 3-0 Habs week coming up for our next show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they come out with uh, less than four points, I will be extremely disappointed in this team. Uh, that means they lost to the Senators or the Red Wings. And that is not a good look at all. So I uh, better pull it through here. Uh, even if they pull out four points against the Penguins and the Senators, for example, or the Penguins and the Red Wings, they better not lose to one of these other teams. I'll still be pissed if they come out with four points and a loss against the Senators or the Red Wings. Uh, yep. So let's just, uh, let's just, I just honestly, I just, I'm just looking for a, two wins against bad teams. And hopefully we can pull one against a, a very good team in the Penguins right now who are rolling. Uh, so, you know, just, uh, yeah, four points at the minimum with these two wins against the bad teams. And, uh, yeah, as, as you are, I'm cautiously, I'll cautiously optimistic we can pull one against uh, the Penguins as well. All right. Uh, all right, so, so you want to can... move on? From that. Yeah, so the, so the next uh, news of the week we're going to get to, another coach was fired. Already the third coach of the season, John Hines, was fired by the New Jersey Devils. Uh, I thought that maybe this came a little bit too late. Better late than never, obviously. Same thing I said about Mike Babcock. Because the New Jersey Devils have been underachieving terribly all year. Uh, I thought there would be a playoff team. I no longer think there would be a playoff team. Uh, P.K. Subban has been sadly awful. It's probably the worst season of his career so far. Taylor Roll only has, like, what, five goals? Something like that. And so John Hines is gone from behind the bench. Uh, Elaine Nasruddin, 
who was an assistant coach, is now the interim head coach. I don't believe they've been much better since making the coaching change. I'm not exactly sure. I know they lost last night. So do you have any initial thoughts to, to this uh, initial reaction to the John Hines firing when it happened? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, look, the Devils, I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, is it coaching? Maybe. Uh, is it just a, a team morale, team uh, between the ears thing uh, with this whole entire team? Maybe. Is it just a fact that they, this organization can't seem to get any good goaltending whatsoever? Uh, I can't remember the last one since Martin Brodeur, uh, and that might be it. Uh, I just don't know what it is. Uh, so I think this was uh, a pretty necessary move on the part of the Devils. I mean, clearly it wasn't working with John Hines. And... Uh, Look, I and uh, so yeah, just uh, look, I, I don't know what else to say other than uh, this team looks like it's broken uh, for a myriad of reasons. Uh, I think, I think honestly, the, the main reason might not be the coaching, but in fact, uh, just the fact that this team can't get goaltending. I mentioned that earlier, and uh, I think that might be it. Look, the I think they have like one of the worst teams, uh, worst goaltending tandems in the league. Uh, it's a Blackwood and uh, some other person, I don't know, Louis, Louis who, who was it. Right, Louis, Louis Domingue, Domingue they acquired from the, the Lightning. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But uh, they're they're just, uh, they're just it's just year after year, they can't get anybody behind the net. Uh, they, they were supposed to be the winners of the off season coming into this season, uh, and they don't have anything to show for it. Uh, they're they're near the basement in their division, and yeah, I mean that's that's all I have to say about the Devils. Uh, I guess John Hines deserved to be fired because he couldn't pull together. But then again, how much can you really blame him for the fact that he has no goaltender to work with? I don't know. That's that's so just my thoughts on that. The timing on the firing was really weird too, because on last Monday they lost to the Buffalo Sabers seven to one, and the next night they had a game against the Golden Knights, and they waited until just like three hours before the game against the Golden Knights to fire John Hines and replace him with Elaine Nasruddin. And I'm not really sure what the thinking on that was. So, but it was just, I feel like if they knew they were going to do it, they should have just done it after the Sabres game. I'm not really sure what was going on. And since then, they, they're 0-3 with their new interim head coach. They lost to Vegas that night. They lost to Chicago. They lost to Nashville. So it doesn't look like it's been turning around for the Devils at all either. And in terms of it, it being John Hines' fault or not, that the team wasn't winning, Mackenzie Blackwood has been he's been okay in based on what's been going on in front of him. I think when PK Subban only has 5 points and Taylor Hall is underachieving so badly, those are supposed to be, you know, your the two superstars of your team. You kind of if you're not going to, you know, trade them, which might happen anyway, that will probably happen for Taylor Hall. You've got to look at the coach to start to get offense out of all these underachieving players because those two aren't even the only ones. Yeah, I guess you got a, you got a point there. They're, all of their superstars aren't doing well. But then again, Mackenzie Blackwood, save percentage under 900. Uh, not exactly uh, uh, an NHL goalie if you look at that kind of number. Uh, so, look, you, you just talked about the coach and the timing on that firing. Uh, I, that, that just makes it look, I don't know, Bush League, unprepared, an organizational mess. Because to fire someone three hours before a game it shows a sort of impulsiveness. Uh, and so I don't know what they were thinking. Look, if you're going to fire a guy, you fire him right after a loss. Like the, the Sabres won, not three hours before the game. Uh, so look, you're, yep. you're, for example, what's his name? Nas, uh, the, the new coach. I, can't, I, I can never remember his name. That's for Dean. That's uh, for Dean. You're, you're, that's, okay. Whatever it is, uh, I'll figure it out later in a bit. Um, so uh, yeah, this guy, uh, he... He's just thrown... I don't think he's been an NHL coach before, right? Uh, nope. No? Nope. Okay, so first NHL game as a head coach, and he gets three hours notice. What kind of crap <laughs> is that? Uh, it's outrageous. Uh, so, as I was saying, organizational mess there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say other than uh, the Devils seem to be looking pretty crap right now. And this is a lost cause. And so, speaking of that, let's move on to our next little topic that's been making some news. Uh, on the Devils, Taylor Hall. Uh, we talked about him last week, where he could possibly go. I talked about how uh, he. I'd love to see him on the Habs. Uh, but some uh, the trade stove has been heating up, and uh, we've seen a new front runner uh, as a trade candidate. Before we talk about Taylor Hall, I've got a, a list of defensemen that I want to read. 
Okay. All right. This is okay with you. So sure. here's the list. Carson Susie of the Minnesota Wild, Travis Dermott, Nick Holden, Cody Cece, Jonas Siegenthaler, Ben Hutton, Ron Hainsey, Calvin DeHaan, Mike Green, Ryan Murray, Michael Delzato, Vili Hainala, Jamie Alexiak, Justin Braun, Jason Demers, Mario Ferraro, Libor Hayek, Alec Martinez, Matthew Benning, Jordan Osterley, and Nicholas Haig. Do you know what those what those defensemen all have in common? No, absolutely not. I didn't think Other you than would. Being mostly subpar, uh, in my opinion. Those defensemen are all the defensemen in the NHL that have the same amount of points as PK Subban. Oh boy, that's five. Uh, that's a bad five luck. Points. That's bad luck. I mean, you, I, uh, as I mentioned before, you showed me the answer. All those defensemen, pretty much all of them are scrubs. Uh, so, um, terrible luck for PK. I mean, what's up with this guy? Uh, is he washed up? Uh, I mean, I loved him when he was with the Habs. Terribly sad when they traded him for Weber. But, uh, I read mean, what the heck is happening with this guy? Uh, what do you think? I have no, I have no idea. And I'm really, like, a bunch of Habs fans who, who want to, you know, are, are joyful about this, are sad because it may prove that, that, uh, they won the, the Subban Weber trade or whatever. <laughs> Which honestly might be true, but I loved PK so much while he was here that that while that I just I have a hard time doing that. I want him to continue to be successful wherever he is. I want him to, you know, contend for Norris trophies. And I I thought he was the kind of player that would continue to be effective well into his thirties. But I don't know, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe absolutely. it's just not a good fit uh, with the Devils. I don't know. Who knows what it is, but uh you you mentioned this guy is absolutely lovable. Uh he's a joy to watch on the ice. Uh, off the ice, an absolute ph- ph- a philanthropist. Uh, what else can you say about him? Uh, so, great guy, and you, you hate to see this happen to him. Uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, is it the team? Is it that he's just he's lost it with age? Uh, his father time caught up with this guy? I don't know. But he's getting outscored by Marcos. That they, this, this means that they won the Weber-Supan trade. Oh, God, no. Uh, Northern Montreal citizen Marcos Scandella, but still. Oh, God, that's <laughs> terrible. Um but uh, Marco Scandella, Jesus. Uh, yeah. But yeah, look, uh, for those revisionists that want to go back and say we won the Weber-Suban trade, uh, get the heck out of here. That's outrageous. Um, the value we got out of that trade was negative two, okay? Look, <laughs> look, Suban was a much better, much better player than Weber at the time. He had much, much better prospects. He was much younger. Much better contract at the time. Maybe not anymore. But at the time, it looked a lot better given that Weber has a million years left even today. Uh, so we, I, I was right now, like, like I'm not, or even back then, I wasn't against Weber for Subban per se, but just the fact that it was one for one, uh, absolutely outrageous. And to say that it's a good trade now looking back, uh, no. Maybe the concept of Weber for Subban is good, but I expect something back uh, on top of Weber. Uh, a, a, a very significant sweetener, uh, given the quality of those players at the time. Uh, and so you want to say it's a good trade. They won the trade. Uh, maybe in retrospect, maybe, but it was still a pretty awful trade. Uh, even even like looking back in terms of trade value. I was going to say a lot of people might misunderstand what you're saying, but but basically the fact that it turned out better doesn't mean that it was the smart thing to do on the day of the trade. Just because it it turned out that they they won in the end. So I yeah. believe that's what you're what you're trying to say. All right, so yeah, Taylor Hall now. Is, I, okay. I, I interrupted you yeah. before. We jumped to Taylor Hall. You mentioned oh, that yeah. that the Colorado Avalanche are now the reported favorites to acquire him, which uh, um, were, was my prediction on the last episode that he'd be going to Colorado. And apparently, they're pushing I, to acquire him before the Christmas break, instead of you know waiting around till two hours before the trade deadline, like has been tradition in the past. So, do you have any any more thoughts about about Taylor Hall and possibly going to the Avalanche? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, look, credit to you. Absolutely hit the nail on the head there uh, with that prediction last week. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you hit all the points last week. What you said last week was absolutely true. And the fact that the Avalanche are going after it means they absolutely agree with you. Uh, and this philosophy of going after uh, before the Christmas break, uh, I don't think that increases the amount of, uh, you know, the the trade the trade price 
uh, for Taylor Hall by that much. And they'll get him for two extra months. We've seen uh, people coming off the trade, p- p- trade, players being traded off the trade deadline. Uh, we see them struggle as they try to fit in with a new team. Uh, so if they do manage to get him before the Christmas deadline, uh, the Christmas day, uh, that'd be great because, you know, just more time uh, to fit in with the Avalanche. Uh, but uh, obviously as a Habs fan and as a guy who was yelling and screaming about uh, him coming to the Habs last week, uh, not great for that outlook. Uh, I'd love hmm. to see him come to the Habs with an extension. But look, if the Avalanche don't manage to sign him to an extension, if it's just a rental, uh, I'm perfectly fine with that as a Habs fan. And uh, hopefully we get a shot at him uh, coming into the next season, uh, this offseason. So, uh, but yeah, other than that, I mean, look, the Avalanche, you look at them recently. Uh, they beat Montreal. They beat uh, whoever it was. They beat Toronto. They beat Boston uh, just last night uh, mm-hmm. with, with Pavel Francouz in the net because Philip Grubauer got injured four shots in. Uh, look, this team is absolutely rolling. They get their, They had terrible injuries to the first line with Landeskog. And uh, Rantanen, both of these guys are back. Uh, and with Rantanen, I think they're 12 and 0 or something ridiculous like that. They're absolutely they, unstoppable. Lost, yeah, they've lost 12. They've won 12 in a row with uh, Rantanen on the team. Yeah, it's, it, this team is elite. Uh, I, I, I dare say the them and the Bruins. Uh, right now, they're they're both favorites. I think they're the top two favorites for the Stanley Cup. Uh, love to see those two go. Those, those two teams going at it. Uh, but. Look, uh, between those two teams, I prefer the Avalanche. I prefer their brand of game. I think their team is much better constructed than the Bruins. Uh, so right now, I think the Avalanche might be the best team in the league. Uh, and you look at Kale McCarr, obviously. Look at him go. Uh, uh-huh. So Actually, he got hurt last night, Kale McCarr. Yeah, but still. Uh, and uh, look, you add Taylor Hall to that lineup. I don't even know what the heck you do if you're another team and you meet them for a bunch of games in a row in the playoffs. Uh, look, Taylor Hall, a second liner on that team. Uh, and well, only because yep, that first line. So you see Taylor Hall. Oh, you, you put your shutdown line on, uh, on Landeskog, Granton, and McKinnon. Great. Now you can't put your shutdown line on freaking Taylor Hall. Uh, so Taylor Hall's been struggling. Taylor yeah, Hall with sure. Nazem Kadri. Yeah. And just imagine that uh, coming mm-hmm. off the bench after you shut down Ranton. And even if you manage to do that, which is nearly impossible uh, by the looks of it right now. <laughs> so... Look, the Avalanche, uh, if they get Hall, I don't know. I think if you're the other teams, obviously you've got to play the playoffs and stuff like that. But uh, I think you've got, to con- you've got to consider throwing in the towel because uh, much like the Lightning last year in the regular season, unstoppable. I, although we know what happened to the Lightning in the playoffs. Yes, we do. We do. So I personally, I don't see this coming together before Christmas. I think, I think that's just uh, uh, that's a pretty lofty goal for the Avalanche because from the Devils' point of view, I don't see why you wouldn't hold the offers to an extremely high standard this early. And maybe as you get closer to the deadline, your offers kind of come back down to earth, or maybe you wait for a a desperate team, like maybe Colorado or maybe someone else who really wants him and is willing to pay a really steep price. But for the, for the devils, I feel like unless the avalanche really blow them out of the water with an offer, I think they might wait and see if they can get a, the best, the best possible return, maybe closer to the trade deadline. That's my prediction. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll just uh, depend on management style. I mean, if the Devils get trigger happy, which uh, you know, you never know, it might happen. Then maybe we'll see uh, the Avalanche come out with the trade before the Christmas break. But I think you're right. Uh, that's why we typically don't see these big trades uh, mid-season, unless uh, you know, like a like a rental trade mid-season. We don't see it that often because teams like to sit on it. Uh, but look, if the yeah. Avalanche are motivated, uh, I'm sure they could get it done. I mean, this team is young. This team's got a good prospect pool as well. Uh, so look, I wouldn't put it out of the question by any means. That's for sure. And uh, look, I would be terrified if I was any team in the league uh, to see yeah. Taylor Hall on the Colorado Avalanche this year. Another reason you don't see the mid-season rental trades that often is because a lot of times teams with like i don't know like a star rental they might want to sell off that aren't near the playoffs are going to want to wait around see if they can get hot see if they can maybe find a way back into the playoff race so teams teams with uh that are thinking wishfully might sit on it for for a couple extra months yeah not not a great philosophy in my opinion but still something that happens quite frequently okay so you want to move on from taylor hall uh, well, we can still so we can stay on the Devils for another minute because 
they have, they've got a ton of, well, not a ton, a couple other notable UFAs that I think they could get a pretty decent return for at the trade deadline. Andy Green, their captain, is a pending UFA. He's got a no-trade clause. 37 years old, $5 million on his last year. I think that could be a could be a valuable defenseman, maybe a, a good 4-5 or five option for a, a team that wants to make a playoff run. Sammy Votnin's also a UFA at the end of the year, making under $5 million. He's a uh, right-shooting defenseman. He plays both sides. Uh, I think a lot of teams would be interested in someone like that. Maple Leafs come to mind. And uh, Wayne Simmons also is a, in a contract year. He just signed a one-year deal with the Devils, so he's a UFA at the end of the year. I'm sure there's a market for Wayne Simmons. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, how old is uh, Sammy Vatnin again? I didn't catch that. He is 28 years old. Okay. Uh, so, obviously, a lot of these older guys... Uh, on expiring deals, your Andy Greens, uh, your your uh, Wayne Simmons, uh, because they they have no, absolutely no shot this year. Uh, you'd love to see them uh, sell them off, get some assets, and prepare for the future. But a guy like Sammy Vatlin, I don't know because this team that you have your you have your Jack Hughes and you have your uh, Nico Heischer. I I just don't know what this team is doing in terms of direction. I mean, uh, they won the off season, and you looked all oh, maybe they'll be contending, you know, playoff spot, whatnot. And then this happens. So, I mean, how would you balance that? Uh, you've got a team that's supposedly on the up and up with these two high quality, uh, very high picks, uh, yet they're absolute garbage this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of people are saying, oh, they're in perfect position, as, position to sell off, to rebuild. But this year was supposed to be the end of the rebuild. This was when, when they get, get P.K. Subban. And like Jack Hughes and Nico Hischer are the two franchise cornerstones. And they got Nikita Gusev. And this was supposed to be a year where they contend for the playoffs. So, I don't know, like, if you're not in the playoff hunt, then trading these pending UFAs makes sense. But to be like, all right, fold it in, just, you know, yeah, like, trade Sammy Vatten and trade, I don't know, P.K. Subban, get some picks. That just seems like acknowledging, oh, we we failed already. We got to start over again, and we won't be contenders till like, three or four years down the road when Hughes and Hishi are 22, 23 years old. And on their second contracts, mind you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, it's an interesting balance. That's why I asked for Sammy Vatten, and this guy's 28. Uh, I think he's a solid uh, contender for a re-sign there in, in, uh, in New Jersey. Uh, so, yeah, these, these one-year veterans, these Andy Greens, Wayne Simmons, by all means, go ahead, sell them off, get some picks, get some value. But uh, I would be wary of, uh, you know, selling everything off. And I, and I, I believe the management as well. Because uh, they already think that way. Because look, they thought they were they're they're going to be a playoff team. They thought their rebuild was over coming out of this year. And uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't scrap it after one bad year. But uh, I mean, it's yeah. it's not a great look for the Devils organization. You really you think I I don't think it's the smartest thing for this team to resign Sammy Vat. Twenty eight years old, those late twenties pending UFAs for you know second pair defensemen. You gotta you gotta be pretty cautious about signing them to anything longer than maybe three years, right? Uh, I don't know. Look, look, it takes a long-term no, no, bet on someone like that. For four or five years, it's not so bad. I mean, this guy, you, you end it when he's 33, 32. It's the ones that go eight years, seven years, six years. That's, that's where, it, where it goes off the rails a bit. But uh, look, you signed Sammy Baden after four years. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. And uh, he's going to be a solid, uh, you know, top four defenseman for the, for, for the duration of that contract, you'd hope. And uh, guys like that, I would uh, wouldn't have a problem. Either. I mean, look, well, what are you going to do if you're the Devils? Well, you're going to, like, like uh, if, you, if you let everybody go, like, well, Saturday Saturday Saturday, you gotta, yeah, I know they do, but, but you got to, you got to, you got to keep somebody. I, well, like, you, you don't have to, but somebody like Sammy Vatner, I mean, he can totally provide value. He's only 28. 28, you don't want to give a guy seven years coming off of 28, eight years at all, but uh, four or five years. Not such a bad time. And if they, they want to compete in these next four or five years, sure, why not? Sammy Vatnin, totally, uh, he could be a totally valuable asset. All right. So uh, that was, I think that, was gonna, that could uh, wrap it up nicely on the Devils. And there, so we'll move on to the juniors next. Sure. So, yeah. All right. So I am extremely excited yeah. for the World Juniors, as I am every year. And Team Canada a couple of days ago, released their 31-man preliminary roster. So I was thinking we could go over it, make some discussions who we might think the, the final few cuts are going to be. 
Uh, let's start with the the goalies. I'm, uh, they do not have a Carter Hart type this year. They've got four goalies at their preliminary camp. They've got Hunter Jones, who was a second-round pick of the Minnesota Wild in this past draft. They've got Olivier Rodrigue, who was a second-round pick of the Oilers in 2018. They've got Joel Hofer, who was a fourth-rounder for the St. Louis Blues in 2018. And they've got Nico Dawes, who was eligible in this past draft and did not was not drafted by any team, but so far in uh, in the OHL with Guelph, he's been arguably the the best goalie in that league. So uh, they don't really have any big name, a marquee name like USA will have with Spencer Knight. But uh, I'm not really sure which of these two goalies are going to end up on the, the the squad. I don't know how much you know about these these guys. Uh, look, uh, I'm not exactly uh, your world junior connoisseur uh, like you happen to be. Uh, so a lot of these names uh, don't really stick out. Like, uh, for example, Nico Dodds. Never heard of this guy uh, in my life until five minutes ago. Uh, so, look, uh, my opinion, I don't really have one on this case uh, because uh, I don't know. I don't know how these goaltenders are. Do you have any idea uh, who... Uh, like uh, who's been uh, like who who has the edge right now? Uh, I think the consensus among most people is that Olivier Rodrigue kind of has the inside track to the starter's job. Uh, he's got okay. he's he's uh, I think he's in his yeah. So they're all two thousand born. Yeah. So they're, so they're all about the same age. He was the highest pick in the the in twenty eighteen out of all of them. But just looking on the numbers, because all these goalies play in the CHL, uh, Joel Hofer and Nico Dawes are the strongest ones. I don't watch them play all the time, but I think Rodrigue has about like a, a 909 save percentage in the QMJHL. And Nico Dawes and Joel Hofer, if I remember correctly from when I checked, are above 930. So it's not the most uh, accurate analysis I'm aware. But if I had to predict, I'd say Olivier Rodrigue would get a spot on the team. And probably Joel Hofer would be the other one. Okay. Uh, look, I think uh, you gotta like the, there's as you mentioned, there's no real uh, standout in terms of goalies. So I think you also gotta look at what happens in camp. Uh, you know, see if uh, anybody stands out in particular. And mm-hmm. uh, I think the coaching staff will go, uh, or the selection committee will go with that. Yeah. Another thing worth mentioning is I believe the IHF allows allows teams to take two or three goalies to the uh to the tournament without having them lose any skaters usually canada chooses to take only two i think the only one i can remember the only one i can remember where they took three was 2016 they had Mackenzie blackwood mason mcdonald and samuel montumbo so this year looks like a year where taking three goalies might be a viable option because there really is no number one standout yeah Mm-hmm. So uh, all right. I want to move on to the skaters. Yeah, all right. So let's start with the defensemen. Uh, first thing I want to mention is that uh, Noah Dobson, who is on the Islanders roster and has been all year, is still eligible for this tournament. We don't know yet mm-hmm. if if the Islanders are going to release him for this tournament. Personally, I hope they do. Of course, I hope they do. He would probably be their best defenseman. And... Another reason I think it's it really makes a lot of sense for the Islanders to release him because he's only played seven games for them the entire season. He's 19 oh, really? years old. Yeah, he's 19 years old, and he's been sitting in the press box almost every game all year. He's barely been playing. They've got they've got their six defensemen. I think Nick Letty, Johnny Boychuk, Ryan Pollock, Adam Pellick, Scott Mayfield, and Devon Taves. And Noah Dobson's been the odd man out almost all year. So I don't really know why they're sticking him up there instead of sending him back to junior, I hope at least they release him for, for this tournament because he's, he would be one of the few players that had experience in last year's tournament, and he'd be a great addition to uh, to Team Canada. Yeah, weird look from the Islanders there. Uh, I had no idea that he was stuck in the press box like that. Uh, wait, was he drafted last year or the year before, whatever it was, top 10 pick, I'm, if, I'm, if I remember correctly? 12th overall. Uh, okay, 12th overall. So, he was uh, supposed to be 12th. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. Okay, but but I don't know what's happening there. Uh, I mean, uh, 
look, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm the Islanders, you send the guy down. He's your he's your blue chip defensive prospect. Why are you sticking him in the press box most of the time? He's only played seven games this year. That's ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, hopefully he gets yep. released for the, t- the team, uh, both as a Team Canada fan uh, as well as uh, you know just common sense on the behalf of the Islanders. I mean, sticking the guy in the press box makes no sense at all. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. so uh, moving on to the, the all players right, so that are in camp right. Yeah, so the other defensemen, the three names that stick out to me as locks are uh, Ty Smith and Jared mm-hmm. McIsaac because they were both on the team last year. So I expect what? that they would be that they would both be returning. And Bowen Byram, who is the fourth overall pick in this most recent draft, he's going to be playing a big role for Team Canada, I assume, at the upcoming tournament. So yeah, I mean, uh, Ty- mm-hmm. absolutely, he uh, he's an absolute stud. Uh, from what I could tell, I mean, wasn't he a, a bit of a, a reach at number four though? Uh, in the, uh, in, the nope. in the draft, for... oh, not okay. at all, really. A lot of a lot of okay. uh, people thought he might go number three. All right. Uh, well, uh, and... okay. Another name came out to me actually. I'm uh, looking down the list. Uh, yeah. I know we've uh, made a, a bit of a point of following this guy uh, since he got drafted in the first round a couple years back. Uh, mm-hmm. Jacob Bernard Docker. Uh, yeah. I didn't know he was still out. Uh, this guy, oh. first round pick. Uh, the uh-huh. Sanders a couple years back. Yeah, 2018. Uh, I think you got to say about this guy. Because, uh, uh, honestly, so, I haven't him too close. So when uh, when this guy was drafted by the Sanders, uh 26th overall, uh, we had been, actually, you might remember from one of our previous episodes, uh, we were pulling for, for Bodie Wild to, to get drafted in the first round. So when the Minnesota Wild took Philip Johansson, a right-shot defenseman just like Bodie Wild. And then when the Ottawa Senators took Jacob Bernard Docker, another right shot defenseman instead of Bodie Wild, we were we found it to be kind of funny, and we made a point of of following, especially the second one, Jacob Bernard Docker, and we made a point of kind of following him around and and you know paying attention to him. So I hope that he makes the team, and I think he's got a, a pretty good shot to to get a job for Team Canada this year. Yeah, I think and he, this guy's he, got an absolutely wonderful name. I mean, Jacob Bernard <laughs> Docker. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. so looking otherwise on on this roster in terms of defense, uh, do we mention Thomas Harley? Yeah. Uh, was a, a recent draft pick. I think uh, he should be close to. Uh, he should have. Yeah, he's got a very good shot at making the roster. Uh, obviously, if you're a first round pick, yeah, uh, got a, much of an inside track. Uh, but other than that, uh, any yeah. other names that uh, pop up? Yeah, one name I really wanted to to talk about, Jamie Drysdale, who is a 2020 draft eligible player. He's over a point a game as a defenseman this year with the the Erie Otters. He's 5'11", and the consensus is that he is the best defenseman in the draft. An offensive dynamo, kind of kill Makar-esque, but probably not quite as dominant as Makar has been, even though Makar has been quite a nice surprise. They're similar kinds of players. And I think that if Jamie Drysdale is given the right amount of opportunity with Team Canada, you know, good power play time, offensive zone starts, I think he could be a, a really impactful player this year during, uh, for the tournament. I really hope he makes the team. Sure. Uh, looking forward to seeing him. Uh, also, mm-hmm. uh, something to note, he's younger than both of us. And uh, <laughs> that's uh, it's whack to me. He's born in 2002 uh, in, 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 uh, in April. Uh, April so 8th. April 8th, uh, interesting little look there. I mean, uh, we've seen it coming for a while now, uh, players being younger than us. Uh, but it kind of hits hard, not going to lie, not going to lie. Uh, seeing someone younger than you in the in the World Junior Championship, kind of crazy. He's not the only player younger than us that I, uh, I think is going to be making the team, but we'll get there later. Uh, okay. I also, he's a four. There are a couple of players that I expected to see on this uh this preliminary roster that i didn't see ryan merkley was one of them do you, does that name ring a bell mm-hmm. ryan merkley yeah, so absolutely he, uh, he's the guy who fell in the draft uh, because of character issues uh if i remember correctly yeah right? yeah so, so he was a ended up being a first rounder of the sharks 21st overall and that was a lot harder than a lot of people expected him to go because he's got tons of offensive talent he's a defenseman and uh but apparently he's just not a pleasant guy to work with as a as a teenager, he he's only nineteen years old, and I know you don't expect nineteen year olds to be terribly mature, but apparently, whatever reason, this guy was worse off than than some other ones. He would you know get unnecessarily upset at teammates for for whatever, not 
being in the right spot, doing the right thing. I don't really know. Obviously, I don't. I'm not an expert on what happened, but I thought at least maybe he would get an invite to to the preliminary roster training camp for Team Canada. But alas, he has not been. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know how much you can. Uh, I mean, I don't think there are any outrageous snubs this year, though. Uh, it's just uh, you know a couple names of note. Uh, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any other names that uh, stand out to you that aren't here? Uh, I think Ryan Merkley. Uh, yeah, not, he's probably the biggest. Not for defenseman. Yeah. Not for defenseman, okay. but for forwards, there are a couple names. Uh, we can get to the forwards now. Sure. Slide up, scroll up. So there were a couple players drafted in this most recent draft that I would have expected to get an invite to uh, to camp. Samuel Poulin is one of them, who's been tearing it up in the QMJHL. He was a Pittsburgh draft pick, first rounder. A couple other first rounders, Philip Tomasino of the Nashville Predators, who I think plays with the Niagara Ice Dogs, and uh, Braden Tracy, who was a first rounder of the Ducks. It's well over a point a game in junior. None of them got invited to, to this uh, training camp. So uh, it's going to be, even without them, it's still going to be hard to make the, the last few cuts. So I want to read through the, uh, the list of the forwards. Uh, Quinton Byfield, who is the other guy who's younger than us, who I think is going to be on this team. 2020 draft eligible. He's the consensus number two right now behind Lafreniere. Dylan Cousins, high pick for the Sabres. Ty Delandria, high pick for Dallas. Aiden Dudas, Nolan Foote, Liam Foody. Benoit Olivier Grew, Dylan Holloway, Peyton Krebs, Alexis Lafreniere, Raphael Lavoie, Connor McMichael, Dawson Mercer, Alex Newhook, Newhook, Jacob Peltier, Cole Perfetti, and Akil Thomas. So the first thing that stands out to me is that uh, this year Canada is really going heavy on the the 2020 draft eligibles because well it's a, it's an extremely good draft. I think I just listed four forwards who are or four or five that are eligible for, for this coming year. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, it's, uh, I, I'm looking at this forward group right now. And uh, look, I think it looks really strong this year. Uh, not to mention all these, uh, you know, these draft eligibles that are coming up this year, uh, but also, uh, you know, just the forwards who have already, already been drafted. Uh, we've seen a lot of high picks uh, come around. Uh, for example, I don't know, Dylan Cousins who was just drafted last year. Uh, seventh overall, and uh, players like that. I mean, uh, I think I think if Canada is to go far in this tournament, I think it's definitely the forwards that are going to carry them there. Uh, and so yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else to probably mention. I'm pretty sure I read that uh, Joe Valeno is going to be released for the tournament. He's been playing in the AHL with the Grand Rapids Griffins, and the Red Wings are, I believe, letting him go to the juniors. So he'll be one of the returning players. He'll probably be the first-line center uh, and obviously a very important player for, for Team Canada. Yeah, so, that's great. Uh-huh. I'm not sure. The other two NHLers that are eligible to come back are Barrett Hayden and Kirby Dock, and I have no idea what's going to happen with them. If you if they get either one of them, that would be a, a very massive boost, but I'm not expecting it. Uh, so, are both of them playing in the NHL right now? Uh, yes, Kirby Doc with yeah, Chicago and Barrett Hayden with Arizona. Okay, so yeah, Barrett Hayden, that's who I was wondering. I uh, was wondering if he was playing. Uh, but yeah, I guess they both are. Uh, so I wouldn't... Look, these players that uh, go to the NHL and uh, are playing regularly, I don't expect them to come back because uh, I don't expect them to come to the the, the, champ, the, the tournament because, uh, look, if you're playing the NHL, uh, why, would you, why would the team risk uh, an injury at, at an international tournament like that? Uh, so a guy like we... You know, like we mentioned earlier... Uh, the the Islanders prospect. I don't know why the name uh, escapes me. Dobson. Uh, Dobson, right? Dobson. Uh, yeah. So a guy like him who doesn't play, uh, by all means, send him down. But uh, you have your 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 Kirby Doc. You have your uh, shoot. I keep forgetting everybody's name. Well, Bar- um, Barrett Hayden is. Uh, he's not playing every game. I think he's played about fifteen games so far this year. So uh-huh. about half the games for the Coyotes he's been in. The other half he's been out. So he's a oh. guy I would not. I wouldn't be so surprised if Arizona. Just to let him go play a big role at the juniors for a week and a half. Kirby Doc's been playing pretty much every game for the Blackhawks, if not every game, and he's been doing very well. So I would be very surprised if Chicago let him go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, anything else you want to mention about these forwards going forward? Uh, well, if assuming Valeno is coming, they've got five cuts to make from these forwards, uh, and it's 
pretty hard to make for for me. I don't know about Aiden Dudas. He was a fourth rounder of the Kings, who's been, I think, really taken off recently. So usually there's one kind of kind of middle middle of the road draft pick that ends up being a surprise for Team Canada, and I have a feeling he might be it if he makes the team. Uh, besides that, they've got obviously all the 2020 draft play, draft eligible players. I feel like they're the ones that are going to be really fighting it out for the last couple spots. Lafreniere is a lock. He was on the team last year. Quinton Byfield is probably a lock too. So that leaves uh, Cole Perfetti, Dawson Mercer, and uh, Dylan Holloway. And I think maybe one of them might make the team. My favorite would probably be Dylan Holloway, who's been doing pretty well in uh, playing at University of Wisconsin in the Big Ten this year uh, to make the team. I'm really not sure about about the other two, Dawson Mercer and Cole Perfetti. I feel like they might be on the outside looking in when it uh, comes time for the tournament to start. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, as I said, I am not your uh, your world junior championship connoisseur so far. Uh, I don't follow the junior the junior players as much as you do. Uh, I should probably take that up. Uh, but other than that, you know, uh, what what's your outlook for this team uh, in the tournament? Uh, I know it's early, uh, but just looking at the selection team, uh, any expectations going forward? Expectations, uh, well, they've always had a chance to win the gold medal, which is something I love about this tournament. It's so short, and there are at least five teams any given tournament, five out of the ten, with a realistic shot at winning the gold medal. I don't think Canada's the favorites this year. Uh, I think the favorites probably Team USA, because for Canada, the, the goaltending, it's a big question mark. You don't really know what they're getting. USA besides having Spencer Knight, who's probably the best goalie in the tournament and is eligible next year too, which is crazy. They're going to have Cole Caulfield on their on their top line and Arthur Kaliev, two great goal scorers, Alex Turcott, Trevor Zegris, uh, and there's a chance the Islanders might even release Oliver Wallstrom for the tournament. So they're going to have tons of weapons to go along with, uh, with probably the best goalie in the tournament. So if I had to bet on it, I'd say USA is probably the favorite. And Canada is probably second second place, but okay. I believe. So, uh, yeah, of course, it's one game, right? If they make it to the gold medal game, which obviously uh, is no given, it's a possibility. but uh, it's a possibility. A hockey is such a it's such a random game. Uh, if we're being totally honest, uh, so you know, bounces of the puck and whatnot. And so, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Canada's got a good shot with this roster. Uh, look at this forward uh, group. Uh, lots of lots lots of like real talent going on up there. Uh, so if that if, so I mentioned earlier, if they're going to make the finals, they're going to make a deep run. Uh, that's what will carry them there. And uh, you know, hopefully, we don't see a dud this year. You hate to see that happen. Uh, like last year. So uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know, just uh, fingers crossed. Uh, looking forward to Boxing Day uh, when it all kicks off. Another reason I hope Noah Dobson uh, gets released for the tournament is so he can avenge last year's, uh, I don't know if you remember, the, they were in overtime in the quarterfinals against Finland, and someone fed him with a one-timer, wide open net. I was sure the game was about to end, Canada was about to win, and his, sniff, mm. his, uh, his stick snaps in half, and Finland goes the other way in a two-on-one and scores. And, uh, and that was it all of a sudden for Team Canada. Two-to-one loss yeah. in the quarterfinals. Very disappointing tournament. So I hope Noah Dobson yeah. can come back to uh, to avenge that. Yeah, right. I remember that we're goal. Almost... Uh... Oh, yeah. So okay. we're, we're so, almost uh... an hour. Hmm? So uh, you we're want to almost... do a little uh, things recap? Yeah, yeah. Just feel like this is becoming kind of a routine. We're just checking on the, the NHL standings and mention anything that stands out to us at the end of the show. So okay. uh, Minnesota... The Wild, after a novel start, I think they were last in the league for a little bit at the beginning of the year, have kind of been heating up. They were in a playoff spot for a minute. Uh, right now, they're they're back out. They're two points out of a wild card spot. But uh, it's looking like expectations might be uh, have to be readjusted for, for Minnesota because if they keep up this recent hot streak, then they might be in the playoffs, it turns out. Yeah, I don't know what the heck happened here. I mean, the Wild were uh, maybe the worst team in the league uh, just a month ago or something like that. And then they went on a, you know, a casual 11-game heater where they didn't uh, go a single game without getting at least one point. They were 7-0-4 or 8-0-3 or something like that. Uh, and then mm-hmm. they lost one uh, the other night 
in regulation. So that's not their streak. But still, 11 games for a team like this. I mean, I don't know what happened. Uh, so yeah, the Wild are just two points back from a playoff spot. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what changed. Uh, do you have any idea why they were so uh, hot all of a sudden? No idea. No idea at all. Something. I obviously I'm not that in tune with what's going on with the Minnesota Wild. They didn't make any moves. No coaching change. It's still Bruce Boudreaux there. Uh, I don't can't think of any call ups they made. Maybe everyone just got hot at the same time. Is my best guess. Maybe Devin Dubnik went a little bit of a little bit of a heater. I don't really know. All right, uh, next team we were going to talk about was the Coyotes, who are finally yep, so it's looking. All right, yeah, you go, go ahead. Yeah, so they're uh, second in the uh, second in the division right now. The other night they were first, uh, so they've been racking up the points uh, quite quite quietly, uh, if I may say so, because uh, I didn't hear anything about the, the rise of the Coyotes, but all of a sudden they're in the division spot, uh, looking very good. I mean, look, every single year it seems. We're saying, oh, you know, the Coyotes, uh, they're, they're, they're everybody's wild card uh, because, you know, they're, they're, they'll, they'll, they'll finally figure it out this year, and they never do. Uh, so it seems that Looks they like finally they figured it out. Yeah, 17 and 10 and 4. Uh, what are your thoughts on this team? Uh, I think they're for real. I think, uh, well, you know, everything's finally coming together for them. Clayton Keller's hit his stride. Nick Schmaltz is feeling great. After he was injured for a long time after he came over last year from Chicago, but he's been fantastic this year. The but I think the biggest thing is goaltending. Uh, they've got a, uh, a pretty even tandem, I believe, with Antti Ranta and Darcy Kemper. That's really been been leading this this push ahead into a divisional playoff spot. So uh, they remind me a lot of uh, of the Islanders from last year because of that, because of how strong their goaltending has been and how important it has been. So I think I think the Coyotes are good. I think this is sustainable. I think they'll make the playoffs, and I think they've got a shot to to make some noise in a in a pretty weak Pacific Division, maybe even trip to the the conference finals or something. We'll see. Wow. Hey, that's uh that's very uh that's a very high uh high expectation for the Coyotes there. The division. Wow. Okay. Um. So uh, you know, right now that you you mentioned the goaltending and uh, just see that it's been clicking for them right now. I mean, they've given up the second least goals in the whole league right now at 72. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's looking good. Uh, they've got a they've got a solid goal differential. Just looking right now, 13. Uh, that's tops in the division. Uh, yeah, uh, Coyote's good for them. Uh, we'll see if it, we'll see if it keeps up. You seem to think that uh, it's sustainable. Uh, I I still hold out mm-hmm. because uh, like I say, my philosophy with these kind of organizations is uh, yeah, just uh, sustain it and then I'll buy into it. Uh, they seem to have done it so far, but I want to see a little bit more from uh, dysfunctional organizations like the Coyotes. Okay, so uh, any other teams you want to shout out? Uh yeah, well, last team I want to shout out is the Detroit Red Wings because I noticed a couple days ago that they are really starting to distance themselves in terms of the the bottom of the NHL. They're already there six points away from 30th place. They've got, they've got 17 points. They are 7, 21, and 3 so in 31 games. They're six points away from the Devils, who are in 30th. And uh, they've got a minus 58 goal differential, which is by far the worst in the NHL. So it's looking a lot right now like the Red Wings will be finishing in last place in the NHL with the highest odds at the first overall pick and Alexis Lafreniere. So I feel like that's always yeah. worth mentioning. Uh, they've lost 11 in a row as well. Uh, don't forget to mention that. Oh, and, uh, so yeah, uh, just, a, just a, this, uh, bring it back to the halves a bit. If they lose to this week to the Red Wings, uh, this will be by far the worst loss of the season. Uh, absolutely embarrassing if they lose to the freaking Red Wings this year yep. uh, at any point. <laughs> so they better win this week. I'm uh, putting that out there. Uh, but yeah, they the tank job. Yeah, they already have. But if they lose again, incredibly uh, unfortunate and uh, unacceptable. Uh, but yeah, the tank job. Over in Detroit, uh, they're doing it perfectly. I don't know if uh, we've seen oh, yeah. a, a better example. Holy crap. Uh, the tank is on. Uh, they're rolling. And uh, look, Stevie Eiserman, baby, he might be a mastermind building the, the incredible team that the Lightning is, but he seems to have built one of the best tank jobs in the history of the NHL because they look absolutely <laughs> horrible. And it's, yep. uh, you All know, right. not going to lie, it's a joy to watch. I love tank jobs. They're, they're hilarious to me. Uh-huh. I, I agree completely. I know we can maybe... We don't have to go so in depth on it right now, but anyone who is uh, who doesn't like the idea of tanking in the NHL, I will. I'm willing to argue with and disagree with 
very strongly. Tanking is not only the smart thing to do if a team is bad, but also a lot of fun for the outsiders. And also it's fun for the fans of the team. To cheer. I, you see tons of hardcore fans who want high draft picks when their team is bad will love to cheer for the tank. You even see it like I wasn't doing it, but during the Canadians' eight-game losing streak, you start see a couple fans start to trickle in like, oh, maybe tank is on, uh, you know, fall for Lafreniere or whatever it is. So it's it's not only smart, it's also fun tanking. Absolutely. And from a fan's mm-hmm. perspective, you mentioned, uh, tanking is a lot more ex- exciting than middling mediocrity, which is uh, the hell of sports fanatics uh, yeah, everywhere. So uh-huh. yeah, you could see it in absolutely. 2015, and the McDavid Eichel tank was, was historic race to the bottom between Buffalo and Arizona, and and you saw like uh, Sabres fans in the front row cheering when they when they lost the game. It was so entertaining for for outsiders, and it was so so intense for those fans when you know someone like a franchise player like Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel is at the end of the line. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so I think that wraps it about uh, wraps it up uh, for this episode. Uh, anything else you want to mention? I think that is that'll be all for this week. We'll be back December fifteenth. Oh, I got oh. to mention something real quick. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so quick mention back up to the Habs here. Uh, Carey Price terrible start to terrible November. Uh, we've seen this happen before. Mm. Uh, but uh, first game back New York. First game in December, uh, New York Rangers, absolute stud. Uh, he's back, baby. Pick him up in your fantasy leagues uh, because uh, this guy will be rolling. Isn't it funny that they give him a night of rest while Caden Primo plays, and all of a sudden the next night he's basically unbeatable against the Rangers? Isn't that funny how rest helps a goalie? Who could have possibly? Who, Who could have possibly foreseen? Who could have known? Nobody. Nobody. It's 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 voodoo magic. All right, so. That's it. We'll be back December 15th, a week from today. Hopefully, the Montreal Canadiens will have, at the very least, four out of six points.